Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Starting or Settling. I am your host, Julia, and today's episode, as you can tell by the title, is in fact the week three review of the NFL season, or I should say my week three review of this NFL season. Um, I honestly, again, I love football. I love it so much. I don't love it as much when the Giants don't win. And yes, I'm throwing that out there right now, right now. I know I'm well aware. I was at the game. They're two and one. They lost to Dallas. I was sad about it, but not as sad as I thought I would be, to be honest with you, because as ugly as it looked at times and there are some glaring holes, I think one, this was a very good reminder that this is a rebuilding team because they are. And two, there were a couple positives to take away, which I'm going to get into at the end of this episode. So for all you Giant fans out there or anyone who enjoys my misery, um, make sure you stick around for the end to get my take on that. But before, we have many games that I have to go over because, like always, the NFL delivers, specifically the 1 o'clock games. This year, the 1 o'clock window, the witching hour, has been crazy um fully delivered as we all would hope to the point where scott hansen i thought he literally was gonna have a heart attack uh in the middle of of filming red zone because there was just so much going on uh so let's get into it shall we so the bills 19 dolphins 21 and actually before we get into it the dolphins reminded me to anybody who has family in florida or friends or is living there has any you know real estate, businesses, whatever it is, um, hearts and thoughts and prayers and love going out to all of you because the hurricane, hurricane Ian's and really hard over there. And, uh, some of the footage that's coming out on social media is crazy. So just praying that everybody's staying safe and everybody's okay and doing as well as they possibly can be during this time. I hate storm season. It's just, it's really sad. So thoughts out to all of you. Okay, so the Bills lost to the Dolphins 19-21. to This was a very sloppy game, as were most of the games this week. And to be honest with you, I feel like overall this has been a pretty sloppy season. And I know it's only week three, or this was just week three, but um, I feel like week three is where you start to see teams sort of separate themselves a little bit. So hopefully we start to get better quality football overall as the season progresses. For the Bills, Josh Allen did a good job of evading pressure and making plays when he needed to. The offense was definitely sloppy, and Allen could have had three to four turnovers, but they're going to be fine. He's a big-time playmaker surrounded by other big-time playmakers. Defensively, the Bills, who were missing about five starters, did a good job of limiting big plays by Miami for the most part, which is something they live off of, except for when it mattered most, of course. They gave up a huge completion in the fourth to Jalen Waddle on a third and 22, which is completely unacceptable, terrible situational awareness for the guys on that field, and allowed Miami to score what would end up being the game-winning touchdown. For Miami offensively, Tua had a solid game and did enough to win, um, although I'm not convinced he wasn't concussed. Long story short, Tua, at the end of the first half, he got pushed after he threw the ball, hit his head on the turf, or so it appeared he did. He got up very wobbly to the point where his offensive lineman ran up to him to hold him up before so trainers could get to him so he wouldn't fall. Um, he got taken back and allegedly was put through concussion protocol and passed it, according to Miami. 
Um, the NFLPA is investigating this. Miami is saying that he was suffering a back injury and his back locked up, which is what caused him to fall. But that didn't really look like it based on, on what we saw on TV. So I'm curious to see what comes of the NFLPA's investigation of how Miami handled it. And I sure hope they handled it properly because as we've seen from what NFL players go through, the risks they take and put their bodies through in order to play this game, um, it's not worth anybody's health to to have them on that field. So um, hopefully they handled it the way that they say they did, and hopefully Tua did not play with a concussion. Um, but honestly, for Miami's offense, stopping the speed of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill it's going to be a problem for any defense they face. And defensively, Miami got a ton of pressure on Josh Allen, as I mentioned before, by far the most he's faced all year long, and it clearly got to him at times. So this was a pretty solid battle between two very good teams, two division rivals. However, honestly, based on the way this game played out, if Buffalo can get healthy, I expect them to get the best of Miami when they meet again later this year because I just think they're the better football team. And if it really came down to it, I'm taking Josh Allen over to any day. So now staying in the AFC, the Bengals 27, Jets 12. The Bengals arguably saved their season with this win as most 0-3 teams don't get anywhere with a start like that. While Burrow was facing a lot of pressure still, obviously his offensive line is going to be a problem all year. That wide receiver room for Cincinnati might be the most complete one in the league. It wasn't a statistically pretty game, but they always make big plays when they need to. If it's not Jamar Chase, it's T. Higgins. If it's not T. Higgins, it's Tyler Boyd. If it's not Tyler Boyd, it's Joe Mixon. If that offensive line can gel, the Bengals are going to be just fine, and maybe even if they can't, because again, I just think they have way too much talent. The Jets cannot be judged offensively with Joe Flacco as their quarterback, but I'm surprised their defense gave up as many points as they did. I know I just spent the whole time talking about how good the Bengals' offense is, but seeing how Dallas was able to shut down Cincinnati, I would have assumed a similar result for the Jets' defense. I'm starting to not love Robert Sala as a head coach, not based on game results, just the Jets almost seem eerily similar to how the Giants played over these past two years under Joe Judge. They do enough to keep, make it a game, keep themselves in the game, but they just can't get over that hump, and that becomes very tiring as a fan very quickly. So I'm curious to see how they bounce back, especially with um, Zach Wilson making his anticipated return to the field in this upcoming week. So that'll be interesting. Again, keeping it in the AFC, Raiders 22, Titans 24. I'm not even going to lie, you guys. This game and the results of it made me sad. Just sad. I cannot believe that the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders are 0-3. That's insanity to me. With all of that talent on both sides of the ball that they have, they look just lifeless. And honestly, it really seems like a coaching problem. I mean, Derek Carr looks bad. He's forcing things. He's inaccurate. He's just not executing. And man, do I know a Patrick Graham defense when I see one and boy, when it's bad, it's real bad. I thought Vegas would be a good scheme fit for him because of the talent that they have on that defensive line. But clearly that's not the case. The Titans certainly didn't look amazing by any stretch, but they got Derrick Henry much more involved and that opened the play action game for Ryan Tannehill and allowed Tennessee to make plays when they needed to and get the ball in the end zone, which they struggled with 
through the first two weeks of the season. I don't think either of these teams are great, clearly, but Vegas should be a lot better than they are. Apparently, Josh McDaniels was late to his postgame press conference because he was stuck in a lengthy meeting with Raiders owner Mark Davis. That, after three weeks, is not a good sign. If McDaniels does not get this thing, get this thing turned around as soon as possible, he's not staying in Vegas for long. I can promise you that. So now we're moving over to the NFC Saints 14, Panthers 22. Congrats to Baker Mayfield. He got his first one as a Panther. Matt Rule needed that really badly, just as badly as Baker did. And I honestly don't have much to say about this game because it kind of just sucked. And I know that's rich coming from a Giants fan. I get it. But it's true. I mean, Jameis can barely walk and Carolina just needs to start another rebuild. They have talent. They just don't use it properly. Again, another situation with a coaching problem. But hey, a win is a win in this league. Congrats to Baker. Um, but yeah, this game was all sorts of ugly. So again, not going further into that. I'm not wasting your guys' time on that. So going back over to the AFC, Ravens 37, Patriots 26. Lamar Jackson. He's just playing great football right now. And he's a machine. All of my worries about the Ravens' offensive production have completely evaporated simply because Lamar cannot be stopped at the moment. Will it last? I don't know. I hope so, though, because it's a lot of fun to watch, but only time will tell, not only in terms of injuries, which, knock on wood, you hope that doesn't happen, but also just before defenses really start to just key in on him. The Ravens defensively weren't great, but they did a good job of forcing Mac Jones to make bad decisions and, and turn the ball over, which is the main goal of defenses, I feel like. Tough news for Mac Jones, though, in the Patriots as he suffered a high ankle sprain, which may even require surgery, and that would mean Brian Hoyer is going to be stepping up as the backup quarterback, now starting quarterback, while Mac Jones recovers. Without ankle surgery, high ankle sprains can take, I believe, up to eight weeks, so that's just brutal, and I feel really bad for Jones. This is obviously a huge, huge year for him. And it's also a frustrating year for the Patriots because they clearly don't look the way that we all are used to seeing the Patriots look, as I've said through these first two weeks. Um, Honestly, though, they shouldn't rush him back, even if that means the season being over, because the Patriots are already one and two in a really good AFC East slash AFC in general. So the playoffs aren't looking great for them anyway. But now... Patriots fans are going to be subjected to watching Brian Hoyer run a Matt Patricia and Joe Judge called offense. Good luck, Patriots. My my thoughts are with you. Uh, Lions and Vikings. Lions lost this game 24-28 to in the last minute of the game, giving up a touchdown. Kirk Cousins hitting his wide receiver with about 45 seconds left, and that was about all she wrote. I was a little upset by this game too. If I'm I'm not going to lie with you guys. I mean, I they're the hard knocks team, the Lions, you know. They're just easy to root for, but they're they're I think a year or two away from being I think they're a year away from being a playoff team. I think they're 2 years away maybe I'm going to say 2 years away from being a potential contender. The reason why I'm saying that is because 
I don't know about Jared Goff. I mean, obviously, he's been to a Super Bowl before, did not perform well in the Super Bowl, although that Super Bowl as a whole was horrible. But, you know, Dan Campbell has this team going places, and I'm going to keep saying that. Now, a, a major downer on this game for the Lions was that Amon Ross St. Brown went down with an injury, and they don't really have a timetable for his return. It doesn't sound like they're worried about it being long-term, but... I don't see him playing this week because, again, with with the position the Lions are in, I mean, it's tough. They're one and two, but they're a gritty team, and the NFC is not very strong this year, so I feel like if they can string together a couple wins, especially towards the middle portion of the season, uh, they might be able to string in a wild card. I don't see them winning that division. I, I see the Packers taking that one, and while I know we all thought that the Vikings were going to be the top seed in that division, and they are two and one. They don't look good at all. Um, they look very, they're very underwhelming, which is really disappointing again because of all the weapons that they have. I mean, Justin Jefferson had a great week one, and that was it. He's been kind of silent ever since then. And Dalvin Cook went down with an injury, and he might miss some time which isn't shocking, honestly, not making fun of it at all, but it's just par for the course for him and and for running backs in general. So it's really going to be a tough year for the Vikings because honestly, I don't, I don't think, I just don't think they have it together from a coaching perspective. And I keep bringing up coaching a lot this year. And I think it's because having had bad coaching for the past six years as a Giants fan, it kind of made me forget what good coaching looks like. Um, I do feel like Brian Dayball for the Giants is a better coach, and the reason I'm saying that is because they've won two games this year that they easily would have lost in years past, and how they that coaching alone can elevate a weak roster to make them at least competitive. But when you have a very talented team, from a on-paper look, a team that should be in the playoffs, if not potential contenders. I mean, we were all calling Kirk Cousins an MVP candidate this year, and I think that race is already lost for him because they're just not up to snuff. They re- they really aren't. I, in my mind, there was no reason why the Minnesota Vikings did not win this game with ease, and I think they got lucky getting that comeback. So to be honest with you, not impressed with the Vikings. I am impressed with the Lions, but regardless, the Vikings are the ones that end up 2-1. The Lions are the ones that end up one and two. And that's how the NFL goes sometimes, guys. It's just, it's the beauty, it's the pain, and everything in between. But that's what we also love about it. Speaking of pain, the Eagles destroyed the Commanders 24-8. to The score in this game honestly does not do the Eagles justice, and this tastes like poison coming out of my mouth. But Carson Wentz was sacked nine times, and at one point there was a statistic that was shown on the screen on the TV. Philadelphia had 323 passing yards in this game, while Washington at that same moment had a total of one passing yard. That's real. Also, A.J. Brown has made this passing offense for Philly so dangerous, and I don't know how any team is going to cover both him and Devonta Smith. Now, I know Devonta Smith did get banged up. He landed hard on his back on a on a big play in this game, and he's been limited in practice this week, so I'm curious to see how it impacts his availability for week four. But regardless, this offense is just so dangerous. 
And it's a perfect wide receiver combination of size and speed to add to the rushing attack that Jalen Hurts brings. And I'm very interested in how they've been using, and by using, I mean not using Miles Sanders this year, and my fantasy team is questioning that as well. Um, I'm truly begging another NFC team to please step it up because I cannot handle another Philly Super Bowl. I don't have the mental capacity for that. Oh, and by the way, Washington sucks. I don't need to say more. But really, there's way more than just a quarterback that's needed in Washington to fix that situation, which honestly is tough for, for Ron Rivera. And I feel like that's kind of been Ron Rivera's career. He's had very talented teams, teams that have showed a lot of promise and a lot of fight. And they're the types of teams where you look at them and you're like, Oh, they're a quarterback away or, Oh, they just need to get, one pass rusher or one safety, whatever it is, but they never really make it. And, and, you know, two years ago when Ron Rivera took over this, this job in Washington, he had that defense looking mean. He had that offense looking solid. And last year, even the defense was good. And the offense with Taylor Heineke as quarterback was still competitive, but now they just look uninspired they look unprepared they look undisciplined they you know I know they've through these first two weeks they they won week one and and they kept it relatively close hadn't tried to to make a comeback in week two but uh they just they're not living up to the talent that they have and I know Carson Wentz isn't the answer every commander's fan would have told you that I'm sure none of them loved that signing anyway but uh they should be better than they are and and that's disappointing for them but yeah, Philadelphia's really freaking good and it sucks for me. So there's that. All right, moving on to a shocking result from this week. The Chiefs losing to the Colts 17 to 20. I was thoroughly convinced that the Chiefs were going to blow out the Colts because of the way that Cincinnati, Indianapolis has come out through these first two weeks. But honestly, this more so felt like a game that the Chiefs lost themselves than the Colts won. Uh, they missed a field goal. Travis Kelsey dropped a late touchdown and Matt Ryan did not look good, but he did just enough. And, you know, hats off to the Colts because this has been obviously a very brutal start for them. They were almost a favorite in the AFC to really make some noise in the playoffs last year lose the opportunity to make it on the last week or in the last week after a brutal loss to Jacksonville, come off getting absolutely shut out by Jacksonville last week, and they're able to pull it together. And there was an interesting moment for the Chiefs uh, at halftime. Patrick Mahomes was clearly not happy with something that offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy was doing, whether it was the play call or the decision to not be as aggressive as he would have wanted. And they started having an argument as on the sideline as everyone was heading into the locker room and Andy Reid walked over and separated them. Nothing physical. They weren't getting in each other's faces or anything. But what was very interesting was, uh, I, f- I forget who the specific player was. and what It might have been LaShawn McCoy. But he came out and said that um, Eric Bieniemy, all he does is yell at guys. He has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to play calling or um, any of the X's and O's per se, which was... Not surprising to hear given how he's been a front runner head coaching candidate for years and has never landed a job as a head coach in all the interviews he's taken. 
Um, but yeah, tough loss for, for the chiefs, but they're still two and one and they're in a division right now that was projected to be the best in the league, but right now is looking like one of the worst because the chargers have nothing but injuries. The Raiders suck and the Broncos suck. So the AFC West, while it is still pretty open, there's not one team that looks nearly as good as the chiefs do. The only team that was close was the chargers and now everyone's hurt. So that's not good for them. Um, but yes, good win for the Colts kept their season alive. They needed that more than anything. And good for Matt Ryan too. I know we've all been giving him a tough time cause he hasn't looked good, but, uh, I'm sure that felt very good for him. And our last one o'clock game of the day, the bears beating out the Texans 23 to 20. What's so crazy. The Chicago bears have the fewest amount of passing attempts through these first three weeks out of any team in the NFL. And the only reason I'm saying it's crazy is because it's Justin Fields back there. You know, he's, he's the future. He's, this is his second year. You want to see what he's made of. And I'm well aware of the fact that he's got no weapons. He's basically has what Daniel Jones has, but I'm just surprised that Chicago is not looking to see what he can make of the situation because sometimes the most you'll see out of a quarterback is when they have the least. Cause that's where you really see the grit, the decision-making do they create opportunities for their teammates to go make plays or are they relying on guys too much, whatever it is. Um, I think Justin Fields is a playmaker. He's got a ton of athletic ability. I don't know if it's a matter of not trusting him or just not trusting the offense to help him. But regardless, this bears offense is not good at all. They're running the ball like 65% of the time it's very, very curious, but their defense is solid. You know, they, they, they keep themselves in it. Not, not the game against the Packers, but obviously the defense won the game week one in that monsoon against San Francisco. And now in, in week two, excuse me, week three, holding the Texans to 20 points and having the game basically game winning interception because it led to the game winning field goal as time expired. Um, and, and conversely there, Davis Mills, I mean, he's had a solid season so far, nothing to write home about, but given that no one gave him a shot when he started last year, um, good, you know, it's been pretty solid for him, but he threw just an absolute no, no interception that lost the Texans the game. And that was pretty brutal. And he was clearly very angry about it as he should be. And, um, you know, still there are, is Houston one, one and one. Did Houston win last week? I don't even remember. Hold on. Now I have to look. No, no, they lost. Okay, so Houston is 0-2-1 or 0-1-2. I forget which column gets the time, which gets the losses. But regardless, they have no wins on the year, and you just can't have that. And, and I actually feel out of all the teams in the NFL, the worst for the Texans because I feel like they've been in this spot of just – going nowhere for years, even when they had Deshaun Watson, they just kind of felt like the same old team and that's not been a good one. So tough loss for them, tough way to lose it on that late interception, but they keep themselves in it until they can't anymore. So you got to give them credit there. So now we move on to the four o'clock games. The Jaguars blow, blow, blew out. All right. The Chargers destroyed, got destroyed by the Jags. Um, 
38 to 10. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he didn't play great, great football or anything, but this was a very important game, I think, for Jags fans, in my mind, to see from him. He looked a lot more confident. He looked a lot more decisive, like a game manager, a field general, if you will. Um, he had a couple nice tight window throws and I mean, putting up 38 points on the board with the help of your running game, you're never going to complain about that. And I, I get it. You know, Justin Herbert was hurt and you know, the chargers have a ton of injuries as it is, which I'm about to get into, but to go into that chargers game after blowing out the Colts the week prior to get that win by that margin, hold the chargers to 10 points be disciplined and just completely outplay the opponent. Um, that's a huge win for them and credit to Doug Peterson and credit to Trevor Lawrence, because again, as each week goes by, I think we're going to really see just how much of an asshole urban Meyer was not just because he's an actual asshole, but because he just completely wasted this poor guy's rookie year because he's an asshole. So uh, good for Doug Peterson, good for the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, but the Chargers, man. I mean, this team, it's like Amina Kimes put it perfectly on Twitter. Accepting that job is as the Chargers head coach is like buying a house and finding out that someone was murdered in it. It's just like a bad omen from the start and you're there's nothing you can do. Uh, Justin Herbert's hurt. Keenan Allen's hurt. Joey Bosa's hurt. Their um, what's his face? Their guard, their star offensive lineman. Oh my god, you guys, I'm blanking on his name, and I literally was just texting my family. Slater, Slater's out for the year with a torn bicep. Like it's just they cannot catch a break, and these are major, major injuries for them. And now they're a team that looked they were poised to have a, a great year and be a contender, and now they're one and two. Their quarterback's not going to be healthy for the rest of the year. Their weapons are hurting. Their offensive line's hurting. Their pass rush is hurting. Everyone's hurting. Everyone's hurt, guys. Everyone's hurt, and it sucks. And it's sad because you want to see the best players on the field playing. And I just feel bad for Chargers fans. I mean, they don't deserve this. They they really don't. I wonder, did Phillip Rivers, like, have a curse on this team because it's just it's, – it's every year with them where we all – have this high anticipation for them. And and honestly, it's sad because I really wanted to see Justin Herbert play. And with a fractured rib cartilage, I mean, I can't imagine the pain he's in. It's just, it sucks. It really does suck, not just for the Chargers, but for the NFL as a whole, because the NFL having a healthy Justin Herbert is a better NFL. So, you know, I don't know how they're going to recover from all the injuries and all the setbacks that they're having, but they're going to have to find a way because that's all you do, all you can do in this league. So hats off to the Chargers. Excuse me. Hats off to the Jaguars. I don't know what else to say about the Chargers, except it also makes me sad. And uh, yeah, not not good for them at all. So the Rams and the Cardinals faced off, and this game made more sense. The Rams didn't look great, but the Cardinals looked worse. Rams winning 20-12 to 12 here. I'm sorry. I'm sick of Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm sick of Kyler Murray. That combination does not work. I do think most of the Cardinals' problems stem from Cliff because I just think he's a bad head coach. 
And I know they're missing DeAndre Hopkins, which is a huge loss for them. But overall, I mean, it's just unacceptable, the talent that they have, to be this bad. Their offense has just been bad. And yeah, they had the crazy comeback against the Raiders in week two. But they haven't been able to sustain any sort of offense. And it's shocking given what we've seen from them over these past couple seasons. So they're also now one and two on the, on the year while the Rams who had a horrible start to their season have turned it around these past two weeks have not been playing great football by any means, but they're doing the job and their defense is stepping it up a lot after getting torched in that first week. So hats off to them for picking it up again, always monitoring that Matt Stafford health situation and obviously not having all of the weapons that he had at receiver last year. And Cam Akers, we saw, finally get used a bit more. He had a solid week. But overall, a weird a weird season. Besides the Eagles and the Bills, there's and Miami, but I'm not even fully sold on them yet. Um, there, there's not many teams in this league that you look at and you're like, yeah, this is a really good football team. There's just not. And it, it's crazy because I feel like, Everything we had last season, just nothing really carried over. And I wonder why that is. Is it guys getting older? Is it the rate of injuries we're seeing, specifically long-term injuries? Is it because there's so many new head coaches? Whatever it is, it's brutal. And yeah, the Cardinals officially suck. They are officially a bad football team with a lot of talent, which might be worse than being a bad football team with not a lot of talent because then it's like you're wasting it. So that's never good. Okay, now we are on to the Packers and Buccaneers game. Again, talk about an ugly ass game. Packers barely beat out the Bucks 14 to 12 after the Bucks failed on a two-point conversion attempt late in the fourth quarter to seal the game for the Bucks. For the Packers. As you could tell, I'm tired, guys. I keep recording these very late, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, nothing to write. I just told you the score. Nothing to write home about. I mean, there's no surprise that the Bucks were going to struggle in this game. They're missing like all of their receivers due to suspension or injury, and their defense is still really good, even despite losing Jason Pierre-Paul and some other weapons there. Uh, they're getting the job done and they're keeping their team in it. And Tom Brady's doing just enough. Does he look great? No, but he's 47,000 years old. So I'm not expecting much from him. The Packers offense, I'm curious about. Um, I think they're going to be the Packers, the type of team this year where they're going to beat the bad teams and they're going to look good in those games, but against the good teams, they're losing. And I, I know that's tough to say after they just beat the Bucks, but again, the Bucks literally had no weapons going into this game. So you kind of can't really hold it against, against them. And, you know, but it's tough for the Packers too. Like they lost a lot of weapons as well, but it's just, you expect more from an Aaron Rodgers team. You really do. So I'm curious to see how the remainder of the season plays out for them. But both of these teams, I have a feeling, are going to be relying heavily on their defense until they can find some source of continuity and some source of just trust on the offensive side of the ball between Rodgers and his receivers. So now on to Falcons Saints. Falcons beat this uh the Seahawks 27 to 23. I think we can officially be done with the Geno Smith hype, even though I think it ended quickly after week one ended. Um 
the Falcons are gritty. They're scrappy. And they do have some solid young talent. Drake London has been great. Kyle Pitts had a solid game for the first time this season. And that defense, they fight. They get into the end zone. And and good for Marcus Mariota, honestly. I think it's weird because everyone always talks about Jameis Winston still as if he's some juggernaut, but treats Marcus Mariota like he's some scrub. When in reality... I think Mariota is extremely talented. I just think he's limited, whereas Jameis is just a gunslinger, so he's exciting. But Mariota can make some plays. He did it a couple times last year with the Raiders as he was the backup there. And, I mean, now with Atlanta, they had a tough loss week one, but uh, now they're 2-1 and one on the year, and that's absolutely insane to say because they're now tied for first place in the NFC South with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So who knows that that division is absolutely wide open. And yeah, Geno Smith, who's known for protecting the football as he's gotten older in his career, had an awful interception in the fourth quarter on the the drive they tried to come back with, which, you know, you just can't have. And, And he's been in this league long enough and he was a backup for a reason. So I'm done with that conversation. Now I will take you to probably the worst game of football I have ever watched. The Broncos defeating the the 49ers 11-10. Yes, that is a real score. And I'm pretty sure the Yankees have had multiple games that were higher scoring than this. They definitely have. Um, Yeah, this game sucked. The Broncos are awful. Russell Wilson does not look good. He does not look on the same page as his receivers. His offensive line is not good. It just, it's all ugly. It's bad, bad football. Lack of execution, not knowing the situation, not being smart, like just bad football. And, you know, it's it's so weird because Russell Wilson would really piss me off if I was a Broncos fan, not just because he may be the cringiest human being on planet Earth, but also because it almost seems like he doesn't really care. I feel like the most I hear from Russell Wilson is when he's doing an ad on his TikTok for whatever brand he's being paid to promote or if it's his own brand that he's promoting. It just is literally he's on TikTok and he's doing subway commercials. And I get it. It's a part of the game. It's a part of the career. But when you're getting paid $235 million and you're one and two on the season, or excuse me, you're two and one on the season, but you've looked awful in all three games you've played, that is just inexcusable to me. And that's not someone I would want in my quarterback. And it's very unlike him because, again, he was known, I feel like, for a long time as that sort of workhorse type of guy. So it's just really weird. And I mean, the Broncos defense, they're doing their job. You know, they haven't given up. They, I don't think they've given up more. The most points they gave up was 17 to to Seattle. And it, it, the, this San Francisco offense is so talented. You know, Debo, Ayuk, George Kittle was back. And, and Jimmy G's back there, so he knows that offense very well. And they were able to hold him to 10 points, which is crazy. But I think the bigger story here is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, he did not have a good game. And... He most notably made Dan Orlovsky a very, very happy man as he took a snap in the end zone and accidentally stepped out of bounds, which ended up being a safety, obviously. And it's ironic, given the fact that that is a safety is two points and the Broncos lost one by one. So that safety was essentially the difference in the game. Um, The 49ers have not looked good. 
this year. And I know week one, we put an asterisk by it because of the weather and that was a mess. But week two, you know, Trey Lance goes down and Jimmy G comes in and you think all is well and good, but he still wasn't even great then. And now this week, putting up 10 points at home against a really bad Broncos team right now. Um, I mean, they're very talented, obviously, but in terms of their offensive production, you would expect Kyle Shanahan to take advantage of that. And they just didn't. And it was really, really bad football. And it was awful to watch. And again, Rich coming from a Giants fan, I know. But it's just the reality of it, guys. It wasn't a good football game. And these... These are two football teams that were supposed to be really good. I mean, we're talking about the Niners roster as a Super Bowl-ready roster, and they don't even look like they're ready to be playing in the regular season right now. So same thing with the Broncos, by the way. I don't know. This year is just weird right now. All of the projected top dogs look meh. And then we have some like teams that were supposed to be bad, but they're not awful. And then we have some teams that were supposed to be middle of the road, and some are bad, and some are better than expected. And it's like... Again, besides the Bills and the Eagles, there is not one single team in this league that I think is making it to a Super Bowl right now. There's just not, barring a miracle, but we'll see. So now we get into the very last game of the week. Yes, my Giants lost 23-16. to And before I get more into this game, I want to say this and I want to make it very, very clear. I am putting it on record right now that Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback of the New York football giants this season. I mean, next season. Wow. I tried to make that a moment and I, and I screwed it up. Um, if, if I'm honest, I screwed it up because I was just watching the replay as I was speaking of Aaron judge hitting home run number 61, but Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback next season. Is he the long-term solution for the giants? I don't know here's what I do know. The Giants went into this game on Monday night. They asked their fans to wear white. They get DJ Envy to DJ the game as warmups were happening to try to get the fans hyped up. They're handing up towels to give to, like terrible towels that you see in Pittsburgh. And they come out there and the only two players that showed up were Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones was running for his life. And to make matters worse, he was extending plays so well, better than he ever has. This honestly might be in terms of a decision-making performance, the best performance of Daniel Jones's career. For the first time this season, for sure, but also I think in a long time, he looked confident in himself. But he wasn't throwing the ball down the field. And my brother and I were having, and yeah, Danny, I'm calling you out on this one. My brother and I were having this argument um, in the car on the way home from the game. And he was like, I still want to see Jones, you know, take more shots down the field, more so just trust his arm more and, you know, you know, make plays, be a playmaker which I agree. I want to see that as well. I don't think anyone's sitting here saying they're not looking for that from him, but there just wasn't anyone open. And I was waiting because usually after these games, the next day when the all 22 comes out and I follow some giants content creators who do a really good job of breaking down film and 
going through specific players' performances, I usually wait to see what they say before I really make a judgment on how Jones performs. And this was one, a game where they came away and said, yeah, Jones was holding the ball, but that's because he was literally begging for someone to get open and there was just nobody open. And it was really frustrating because it's like, finally, we saw a performance from DJ that we've all been looking for and nobody gives him help besides Andrew Thomas as well. I'm sorry, Andrew Thomas for the third week in a row was the highest graded offensive tackle in the league. Knock on wood, this guy stays healthy. And I don't even know if I wait for his rookie contract to go up before I extend him because he is that good. And he is going to be a New York Giant for a very long time. And that makes me really excited because a bookend left tackle that's 24, 25 years old, that is that good. Um, those guys are few and far between. And it's great. It's, it's really great. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. I will say that for giving us Andrew Thomas. Um, Evan Neal had a really tough game. I'm not worried about him. And Kayvon Thibodeau didn't look great either. Listen, for all you psychopaths that are looking to our rookies in their first game and their third game of their NFL careers to look great, you're psychos. You're psychos. And you're stupid. You're dumb. And I'm not even going to sugarcoat it because it's insane. It is insane. The level of talent, the difference in the level of talent is so significant between the NFL and the college game. And I know we always joke about we see some really bad football teams in the NFL and we're like, oh, Alabama could beat them. Georgia could beat them. No, no. You put the world's worst ever NFL team on a field with the best college team in the country and they will get smoked. No question. So for the rookies' sake, give those guys time. In due time, and I don't even mean this year. I mean this year, next year, the year after. Then we can judge what we think, right? Like, yeah, in ideal world, Evan Neal comes out and is a lockdown right tackle. And Kayvon Thibodeau comes out and gets a pressure gets consistent pressure throughout the game, has a sack or two in his first game, makes a big play here and there, whatever it is. Um, but that's just not how football works. And that also isn't what makes players great. What truly makes players great is when they're facing adversity and how they respond to it and how they learn from their mistakes and how they improve week to week. So give it time there. But yeah, the rest of this team, and this was super uh, a super important game for all fans, I think, to remember that this is a rebuilding franchise because it is. You know, we're calling it year zero for a reason. The offensive line is still really bad. Our wide receivers are still really bad. While we have Saquon Barkley, is it going to be realistic for the Giants to re-sign him next year? Probably not, but I want him to. Of course I want Saquon to be back, but I just don't know if that's a possibility because of the money and the other needs that this team has. Defensively, missing Leonard Williams was felt for sure um our defensive line specifically in the interior just gave absolutely no fight and we're really struggling to stop the run all night couldn't get any pressure on cooper rush who was sitting that back there all pretty uh waiting for cd lamb to get open which he was very frequently our secondary we need more depth and we need linebackers like this team is really at lobby they're at 
I'm not going to say the basement. They're at the lobby. Okay. Last year was the basement. So now when it comes to Daniel Jones and our expectations and what we're looking for, I think it's also important to be fair in, in the judgments of him. People were after that game still saying the same shit of, oh, the interception, there it goes. Well, okay, shut up, and that happened right in front of me, and the video came out there. David Sills literally fell at the top of his route, and it was a timing throw. So Daniel Jones threw the ball when he was supposed to and where David Sills was supposed to be, presumably, and David Sills just fell. So there you go. Also, speaking of wide receivers really quick, um... On that same very play, on the opposite side of the field, Sterling Shepard suffered a torn ACL, which not only ends his season, but most likely his career as a New York Giant. He's been on this team for a number of years now, and while he was never a great, great player, he was always a good Giant. And I loved him, and I loved the fire he brought to the team, the veteran presence he brought. He was pretty reliable as a rookie for Eli and him and Jones seemed to have a good connection when they were both on the field together and seems like a really good locker room guy too. The media always had good things to say about him. Him and Saquon Barkley are very close. Um, and it just really sucks to see him after coming back from a torn Achilles and, and really working to make this team better and be a part of something good. He just, his body failed him and the MetLife turf failed him. Fuck you, John Mara for the MetLife turf. And I'm not holding back on this one with the language. Sorry guys. Um, but it just, it sucked. It was really, really sad. And I just hope that if he continues playing football, that he finds success, uh, wherever he goes, I can't see it being with the giants again, just injury history alone. Um, and if he doesn't play football again, maybe he'll be a coach or something. I don't know, but just whatever he chooses to do, I hope he has a, a, a healthy and speedy recovery and finds much success in whatever it is he chooses to do moving forward because I will always have a lot of love and respect for him. But yeah, Kenny Galladay is a clown. This man made a whole deal about how he was pissed off about his lack of playing time and how he had two snaps or whatever it was against Carolina. And then he comes out against Dallas and has two drops, two significant drops. The, he can't make a physical catch to save his life. He looks like he's afraid of the football. He's slow as hell. He doesn't create any separation. He's just a fucking disaster. And he's taking $72 million and running. And he's just keep him off the field keep him off the field where's the pride whatever ha like i will never understand a football player a an athlete like that where you have the audacity to stand up there and complain that i should be playing regardless and then go out on monday night football against the dallas cowboys and literally let down your quarterback with how bad you were literally let him down and it's not even like an evan ingram situation because evan ingram sucked and evan ingram couldn't catch a football to save his life but he never once made a big deal about it he never once went after the fans he never once went after the media he was always available for interviews he answered every single question and always held himself accountable but he sucked kenny galladay is just blaming everybody else and still sucks so 
I don't want that man on the football field anymore, at least as a New York Giant. I don't care if you bench him. I don't care if you release him. I don't care if you trade him. I do not care. I don't want to see Kenny Galladay wearing a Giants uniform ever again because he doesn't deserve it. And you know who doesn't deserve it? Daniel Jones doesn't deserve that sad excuse for a bum-ass football player on this team. He doesn't. We don't as fans either, by the way. And Canarius Tony can't get on the field, and Wandell Robinson's hurt. So Daniel Jones is sitting there being compared to quarterbacks who have Stefan Diggs and A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all CeeDee Lamb, all these other guys, while his wide receivers are Richie James and David Sills. Are we serious? And so while all of you DJ haters and all of you sports commentators who like to get on your high horse and get off on talking about how bad Daniel Jones is because it gets clicks and you think it's fucking funny, well, guess what? Daniel Jones, since he's been drafted, has been nothing but failed by an organization that chose to, t- to take him. He's never had a top 15 offensive line. He's never had a top 15 running game. He's never had a legitimate wide receiver one. Who's going to play well on a team like that? What quarterback that is currently playing would come in as the New York Giants quarterback under these circumstances and play well? Nobody. Literally nobody. And DJ is not blameless. In, in all of this, by the way, you know, he hasn't showed us enough yet, but I'm holding out hope that he will. And week by week through these first three weeks, I've seen a good progression from him. And this was by far between weeks two and three, the biggest jump I've seen. And I have confidence that it's only going to get better as the games go on, as the season goes on, I just hope he doesn't get hurt before then because the line literally doesn't give him a second to breathe. Um, so the reason why I think he's going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants next year is because I don't see any quarterbacks that I could see Joe Shane taking coming out of the draft. The Giants are not paying Lamar Jackson. Don't, don't even get me started on that. Lamar's great, but don't get me started on that. So realistically, there's not many options right now. And my older brother brought up a good point of like, maybe the Giants should have picked up his fifth year option because then they at least would have had more time and to even just wait to see if there was someone that they did want to take. Um, but if Joe Shane, if, if Daniel Jones continues to progress the way he has so far this season, I'm very confident by the time we hit week 17, week 18, that the conversation around him and his future as a giant is going to be very different. What the reality of that situ- situation will then be in terms of can a team friendly deal be made to keep him here? We'll see. And then is he the quarterback of the future? Who knows? You know, that that obviously is very different. And and ultimately, all of this depends on if Brian Dayball and Joe Shane feel that they can win with him. And none of us know the answer to that. Not me, not you, not Colin Cowherd, who doesn't watch any sports, not Stephen A. Smith, not Shannon Sharp. Nobody. Nobody knows. So while Daniel Jones is a giant, 
I'm going to root for him. And I'm going to hope that he proves everybody wrong. And hopefully this won't be his last season. Because I'm telling you guys, call me crazy, but I've got a good feeling about him. I, I really, really do. And if they can keep him past this, if he can stay healthy and he can continue to improve the way he has, and they can sign him to a team-friendly deal and start to really put good, solid, foundational pieces around him. I think it could be a lot of fun. I do. So we'll see. Um, But in terms of the overall Giants outlook on the season, I mean, they have the Bears coming up this week who are equally as bad as, as the Giants are. So that'll be a game that is ugly, but hopefully the Giants will win it. I mean, listen... We're two and one. I'm not going to complain. Um, you know, just every week, the hope is to see Daniel Jones play well, to see the young players play well, and see who can Brian Dayball and Joe Shane really start to build off of for the future of this team. And let's uh, obviously, I'm going to be previewing the Giants Bears game, but let's go get that win on Sunday. I mean, if the Giants could somehow be three and one at the end of this week. I'll be very, very happy. And hopefully Jones has a good game and continues to improve on that front. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all of your support. As always, make sure you share this podcast, like it, rate it, all the things. Tell your friends, your family, whoever about it. If you have any suggestions, anything specific you want to hear, whether it's sports related or not, definitely let me know. I'm open to anything and everything, and I will catch you all on the next one.